Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And I'm really, you know, I, I've been doing this stuff for over two decades, almost three decades. And uh, very rarely do I get excited anymore, no matter who I interview. But I'm very excited about this interview. Uh, he's the author of uh, one of my favorite uh, political autobiographies or memoirs. Uh, it's a fascinating book called The Triumph of Politics. And uh, it's, it's the, the book that really turned me on to that kind of literature. Uh, as a young man, I worked in the Reagan campaign. I worked for Senator Gordon Humphrey from New Hampshire. I was part of that Reagan revolution, and I became disenchanted pretty quickly. And it was very important to me to see a significant player in that, like David Stockman, uh, come up with similar views as I was having. And he has continued to do some great writing. Um, David, glad to have you on the program. Uh, former OMB director, former member of Congress. Uh, really excited, honestly, almost, uh, almost teenager giddy. Welcome to the show. Well, listen, I'm happy to be on the show with you um, and that you read the book. That was way back in 1986. So here we are 36 years later. And everything that we were grappling with then and talking about has gotten dramatically worse, uh, more problematic, more out of control ever since. Uh, roughly, if I can remember, the public debt at that time was maybe $3 trillion. Now it's $31 trillion, so we're up by 10x. If I recall correctly, the total debt on the economy, public and private, you know, household businesses and so forth, was $15 trillion. It's now $91 trillion. So we have had a tremendous financial bubble as a result of all this money printing by the Fed, all of this cheap debt, which uh, basically has been issued both by the private sector and the government uh, sector, uh, we're now, uh, uh, you know, on the cusp, I think, of the day of reckoning in which even the Fed finally had to shut off its printing presses. It's now shrinking its balance sheet by $95 billion a month, not buying government bonds hand over fist. It's raising rates, and it's not even nearly done, although, you know, Washington and Wall Street would like to think so. And so we're now entering uh, a payback time, an era in which we're going to have a recession, we're going to have continued high uh, inflation, uh, we're going to have a fiscal uh, debt ceiling crisis that will probably be the worst yet uh, sometime this summer or fall. So uh, those are the facts of life that... Uh, you know, are coming home to roost after what I would call a 30-year party uh, that now yeah. has run its course. Yeah, it really has. I remember, you know, and I feel old, you know, <laughs> but I'm not that old, but I remember when uh, I was part of a campaign that was trying to stop uh, the federal government from raising the uh, national debt uh, to $1 trillion. That was in the early 80s. That was like 82 or 83. I was involved in a grassroots effort, you know, and you know where that went. And yeah, uh, it was really know, interesting because you look – go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'd like to comment on it because that's what happened actually in 1981, day one of the Reagan administration, 
after the swearing in on January 20th, and we had been uh, gifted by the outgoing Carter administration a debt ceiling that was at $930 billion, and it had been all used up, and we were facing the need to finance big, uh, you know, dollops of red ink month after month. And we had to tell Ronald Reagan, much to his great chagrin, that he was going to be the president that would have to ask Congress to raise the debt ceiling over a trillion. And that sounds yeah. like nothing today with $31 trillion of public debt, but at the time it was a tr- traumatic episode. I mean, people felt that uh, government debt was a very bad thing that needed, needed to be controlled and contained and, uh, you know, that was the uh, attitude then. We didn't do a great job uh, at uh, achieving that objective, but at least there was a political consensus that fiscal rectitude uh, and responsibility was important. Today, both parties yeah. are just uh, the borrow and spend parties. And, frankly, the Republicans need to be taken to the woodshed, <laughs> to use an old metaphor, just as much as the Democrats. Of course, you expect the Democrats to be big spenders. They're the party of big government and social welfare and, uh, you know, fiscal, uh, you know, lax fiscal policy. But the Republicans have failed in their job. You know, the Republican Party is meant to be, uh, you know, the party that uh, puts uh, on the brakes uh, fiscally that uh, demands that we uh, not spend more than the rece- revenues coming in, and that isn't happening anymore. Uh, even during uh, you know the Trump period, they they did that four trillion dollars worth of COVID relief without even examining what they were doing, and there was more waste, fraud, corruption in excess in that than you can possibly imagine. Uh, and then it continued with Biden when he did another $2 trillion, uh so-called American Rescue Plan on top of that, and then his uh, uh, infrastructure uh, boondoggle bill. So uh, both parties in the last few years have just been piling on the spending and debt, and now I, I would say we're in a pretty... <laughs> bad way in terms of dealing with the country's uh, finances. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. I actually put more fault on the Republicans simply because of the fact that they're more dishonest. Uh, they have had claims of fiscal responsibility. And uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jack Kemp, who actually helped me out quite a bit uh, when I was in D.C., when I worked in D.C., great guy, wonderful person. But, yeah. uh, you know, he became, he became one of the greatest apologists for uh, debt spending, for deficit and debt spending. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have long-term consequence. And, uh, and so it's very strange to see how the GOP changed on that. And the only reason why GOP complains now about debt spending is when it's done by the other party. They're, they're pretty comfortable by their own uh, debt spending. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, we got more indication of that in the last few days. Uh, more and more Republicans are saying we can't touch Social Security or Medicare. Well, that's $2 trillion a year. If you're not willing to take on the heart of the welfare state of the entitlement problem, uh, just letting that have a pass, and then you're saying we're not spending enough on defense and we got to, you know, uh, dump even more uh, money into that uh 
think of ways called the Ukraine proxy war against Russia. That's $850 billion a year defense budget right now. They want more of. Well, how in the world, if you want more defense and you won't touch uh, the core uh, big uh, entitlements, how in the world are you going to bring a $2 trillion deficit uh, to heal? How are you going to close the gap? Where You know, what kind of magic math? are you talking about? So I think you're absolutely right. The Republican Party is basically faking. You know, they talk about fiscal responsibility, and they're basically saying, well, let's cut non-defense discretionary spending, which is less than 10% of the budget. And I say, fine. But once they get into that, they're going to say, oh, wait a minute, we didn't mean to cut uh, highway spending. So, you know, set that aside. And and farm uh, subsidies, uh, absolutely essential for the health of rural America. So set that aside. And then they'll say, oh, we need all the money for uh, agencies like uh, the FDA and uh, the you know look at the Veterans Administration. There's 200 billion in there uh, for the Veterans Administration, and uh, obviously we have to take care of the veterans who have uh, suffered lifelong uh, injuries uh, and disabilities as a result of these stupid wars we've had. But uh, that's yeah. another part of the budget that uh, is a sacred cow. So when you set all these sacred cows aside, and I'm talking about the Republican side now. There isn't enough left uh, to amount to a rounding error when it comes to the size of the borrowing that we're doing at the present time. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That that reminds me in your book, The Triumph of Politics, the conversations you had with people like Jesse Helms who told you, I know you're hearing all this about tobacco, but don't worry about tobacco. You know, it's a net positive for the American economy and our budget. You know, yeah. and you had those stories. You know, I think you said there was less than a handful of people who didn't uh, try to defend in a sanctimonious way their spending. And we are even more inclined to do that on steroids today. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. Uh, it's all laid out there in the Triumph of Politics, which was written in 1986. But what we learned during Ronald Reagan's effort to try to uh, curtail and diminish the size of the welfare state is that you couldn't uh, assemble a majority uh, in the Congress. Uh, You couldn't count on Republicans to walk the plank uh, when it became necessary because they all had their sacred cow. They all had their uh, pet program, uh, the pork. uh, And, you know, once you started making deals, the defense Republicans uh, would give money to the uh, education spenders in order uh, to pass the overall budget. And once that, you know, log rolling process started, uh, the the sweeping cuts that we need needed to uh, accompany this, the tax cuts didn't happen. And that's where we got into uh, massive permanent deficit finance and. Uh, the Republican theory that uh, came from uh, Cheney, really, and a few others, uh, that uh, deficits don't matter. Well, here we are yeah. with $31 trillion of debt, and it's been very, uh, there's very illusionary that this isn't a problem because interest rates had been so low 
that the cost of carrying that debt was like $300 billion a year. And so Congress said that's a rounding error when we're spending $6 trillion. But now with interest <laughs> rates up three or 400 basis points and uh, interest on the public debt pushing $1 trillion per year, they're waking up to the fact that debt isn't free. It's not a free lunch. Um, and uh, that whole theory that deficits don't matter, which is really such – you know, corrupt economics, uh, I think, is uh, finally uh, being being uh, uh, revealed. Yeah, it, it really is. But, you know, the public choice school of economics, uh, the idea of the short-sightedness effect, that is what drives legislation and has really long before you came along. Uh, but it, it just got steroids by the time you came along. This leads to your know, latest book, The Great Money yeah. Bubble. Why don't you... Go ahead. Go ahead and comment. I want to make sure we talk about your latest book, though, as well. Oh, yeah, Go ahead. Definitely. But actually, that's the heart of the latest book, because what, what I lay out in there in the, is that for 30 years, the Fed has been making it too easy to borrow money and uh, inflate the public debt. Back in the day when we were struggling with this in the 80s, at least there was a pretty good majority in the Republican Party and a lot of Democrats, too, to tell you the truth. Um, that understood if you borrow too much money, the honest way, which is in the bond market, interest rates will be pushed up quite strongly. That will then squeeze out, crowd out borrowing back home, you know, let's say car dealers wanting to finance their inventory or retail shops uh, needing to uh, borrow money to finance their working capital, that therefore there's an immediate effect that's negative, and that became a kind of countervailing force in the political process. You would hear from the farmers. You would hear from the small businessmen. You would hear from the car dealers. And as a result, there was some sense that we you borrow at your peril politically. But then when the Fed started monetizing all the debt and removed uh, you know, this crowding out effect and said, uh, you know, the bond pits don't matter because the Fed is the ultimate bond pit. They're absorbing all this debt. That's why uh, the Fed's balance sheet went from, not, you know, less than a trillion to nine trillion. Then uh, all bets were off. The countervailing uh, political force disappeared and both parties uh, joined the borrow and spend team. And, you know, that's where we uh, stand today. David Stockton has been my guest this segment. He is a phenomenal author, one of my favorite political writers, uh, and, of course, on economic issues as well. I always get excited. I have your new book, uh, David. I just got it in the last week, so I've only just jumped into it. Your books are pretty meaty, so I've got to work through it. Always love them, though, and they're incredibly accessible. Um, thanks so much for being with us. Final thoughts as we wrap it up. Okay. Final thought. Well, the final thought is that this uh, uh, crisis that we're facing won't go away in six months. It's been brewing for 35 years. It's going to take years to bring inflation down. We're going to have a bad recession. Whether we deserve it or not, we don't deserve it, but Washington will deliver that to us. And so people need to uh, hunker down and get prepared for some very difficult times because uh, – you know, the spending and borrowing uh, and inflating party is over. Yeah, and that's really the gist of your new book, The Great Money Bubble. Protect yourself from the coming inflation storm. 
And uh, thanks so much for your time. I could talk to you for hours. Really grateful for the time we've had. Thank you so much. Okay, very good. Good to be with you. Thank you. You bet. I am Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.